Welcome to the dark side, my fluffy, frivolous friends. I hope you brought your flashlight. To all of my listeners out there, thank you for tuning in. And if you haven't shut me off just yet, thank you again and welcome to today's episode of The Zelda Roy Show. If you're still a bit confused, this is Zelda Roy reporting live from Delorenz, where everything is made in a shade and no two family members are allowed to have the same cell phone ringtone. Today's show is full of surprises, mostly for me because I'm making up the majority of this as I go along, so hold on to your hair pieces and keep your arms and tongues inside the vehicle at all times. Now, when I was bouncing ideas off of Raphael earlier, he said not to bring this particular segment back, and while I respect his input and appreciate his willingness to proofread any bits I actually bothered to write ahead of time, I am blatantly ignoring his advice and doing this portion regardless of his qualms. Six Degrees of Gene Harlow with Dwayne The Rock Johnson In the 1933 classic Dinner at Eight, which is basically a movie about rich people being deceitful while waiting to eat dinner, Gene plays the lonely wife, Kitty Packard. Also in Dinner at Eight with Gene is the illustrious John Barrymore as the drunken husband, Larry Renault. Now, John Barrymore was in the 1937 flick Bulldog Drummond Comes Back as Drummond's friend, Colonel Nielsen. John Howard plays the titular Bulldog Drummond alongside John Barrymore. Howard is also in the Rockford Files. Okay, so he was in like two episodes in 1978, but it counts, okay? Also in the Rockford Files is James Garner as, you guessed it, Jimmy Rockford. James Garner is also in the Tug at Your Heartstrings 2002 classic, Divine Secrets of the Yaya Sisterhood, as Chef Walker. I don't believe he knows these secrets, but you know who does? Ellen Burstyn as Vivi Walker. Ellen also plays Dr. Lillian Gazzetti in the 2006 film The Fountain, which honestly is just the most confusing movie I've ever seen. Also in this baffling film is the beautiful Rachel Weisz as Izzy, I think, but I'm not sure because I think she played three different characters. Anyway, Miss Weiss was also in The Mummy Returns from 2011, the sequel to The Mummy, where Imhotep is resurrected yet again because they didn't learn from that mistake the first time to defeat the Scorpion King. And who plays the Scorpion King? You've got that right, my compadres. It's Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Boom. Mic drop. I saw that on a show the other day, and I thought I'd try it out. But honestly, everything I say is mic drop worthy, so it's unnecessary. It's that time again. No, not time to evade the IRS because you conveniently forgot to do your taxes. Listener submission time. This one comes from Ted Danson in the Street. Ted Danson writes, Zelda, I'm going to get right to the point because I feel like you're a woman who appreciates that sort of thing. Yes, Ted Danson. Yes, I am. So, if you could only eat one thing for the rest of your life, what would it be? That's the question? I had much higher hopes for you, Ted. But I've clearly got nothing better to do with my life, so I'll answer your question. Only one food for the rest of my life. Well, if you'd asked me that question two years ago, I probably would have said, Beef Wellington, extra rare, Probably with a lovely green peppercorn sauce, though I'm not sure if that counts as a separate food. But if you ask me that question now, which you are, I would definitely say SpaghettiOs without a doubt. It's both a starch and a vegetable, 
I don't see why you would bother eating anything else. Plus, it's the most delicious canned meal of all time. So there you have it, Ted dancing in the street. Pick up some SpaghettiOs at your local market today. And if SpaghettiOs wants to hire me as a sponsor, I would be so open to that. For those of you who have been following the wedding news of Horace Applebottom and Lori Withers, this is his fourth marriage, if anyone is counting, and he clearly isn't, you may have noticed that the wedding, which many are calling the Wapplebottom Union, or the occasional Applebithers affair, did not happen. No, Lori is still alive. Believe me, that thought immediately crossed my mind as well, given the demises of Horace's ex-wives. But Horace seems to have contracted a severe bout of food poisoning. Horace and several of the wedding party, including my friend Ollie, my enemy Kenneth G. Fabio, and the neutral yet mysterious Dr. S. Barlow, were conducting a final cake testing at the relatively new bakery, hashtag Where's Jennifer, and now they all are on bed rest. Horace was desperate to go through with the wedding regardless, but Lori insisted that her vows alone would take 15 minutes to recite, and Horace could not go without the bathroom for more than 12 minutes. Lori has not confirmed why exactly. She was not at this cake testing herself, but Valeria told me she saw Lori that afternoon talking with Isaiah Cooley at the gas station. So there's that. No news as to whether or not the wedding will be rescheduled, but I assume that will be revisited when Horace no longer needs to use the toilet as a crutch. So, I've gotten some flack lately about how I'm not exactly in orbit in regards to some of our new forms of entertainment we've acquired thanks to the Otherworld merge. Since I refuse to review Words with Friends, Minecraft, or any sort of fan-made shipper video, whatever that is, I will, I suppose, deign to review a video game. Apparently, they're not just for children and teens. In fact, the market for video games is more geared toward 20 to 40 year old males who refuse to accept the reality that they are doomed to an office job, 2.5 children, and a picket fence, not necessarily in that order. I'm just glad Delorent didn't have video games before the merge, or they certainly would have come between Kate and June. Anyway, I've chosen to review Grand Theft Auto 3, because, silly me, I thought the third would be even better than the first two. But then in my research I found out that Grand Theft Auto 3 is actually the fifth installment in the series, so my expectations were already incredibly low to begin with because apparently these people don't know how to count, so how could they make a good video game? If we're being completely honest here, you know how much I value honesty, I didn't actually play the game. I don't have any sort of gaming equipment, and I was not going to go out and buy an X station or a play box or whatever you other worlders and 20-something males in denial use to play Grand Theft Auto 3. I collected all of my information from my new favorite trusted sources, Wikipedia and YouTube, and ventured into the frankly terrifying world of gamer blogs. I was surprised to learn there is actually a plot to the game. Claude, a criminal with an excellent name, is arrested after being betrayed by his girlfriend at a bank heist. On his way to the police station, he manages to escape the police car and his buddy, 8-Ball, whose name is not excellent, introduces him to the city's mafia family. Then Claude gets into it with the Colombians, and then he meets the Yakuza, and then he assassinates Salvatore, the mafia leader, 
And then he finds himself in the center of a cartel war. And then I stopped reading the Wikipedia plot description. Because honestly, we get it. Claude is a ruthless criminal and he commits a lot of crimes. Claude is also mute. I mean, I don't think he really is. Though he's a video game character, so I think the philosophical argument can be made for whether or not he is anything. I just think his voice isn't featured in the game. I suppose this is to make the player feel as though they are Claude, since some random video game voice coming out of nowhere could shatter the illusion. Anyway, that's what I pulled from the plot section before I gave up and made myself a Hot Pocket. Though I did tune into the last sentence of the plot description, which implies that Claude murdered a woman because she complained about the state of her clothing and nails, and that really rattles my cage. Apparently, the game condones ruthless murder because, hey, it's entertaining, right? Speaking of ruthless murder and violence, you can pick from a whole slew of weapons including, but of course not limited to, Uzis, M16s, flamethrowers, sniper rifles, and rocket launchers. The new gameplay allows for first-person shooting as well as the ability to have Claude face sideways in a vehicle, which I'm told by various online blogs, comes in handy for drive-by shootings? This game not only enables violence, but encourages it and makes it easier. Okay, so the violence is completely digital, but who's to say this sort of gameplay doesn't affect the way the player's minds work? The game literally teaches players the best strategy for a drive-by shooting and the coolest tricks for getaway driving, so perhaps one day someone might decide to see what the fuss is really all about and hijack their elderly neighbor's car and buy a gun, don't even get me started on gun control, and go to town. Though I must say I'm not completely sure how I feel about the whole video game violence theory. I know that's been a big thing in other places, whether or not violence in games and movies and TV actually causes children to become more violent in real life, but I'm not sure I'm completely on board with the idea. I guess I'd need to do some research of my own, but the idea of psychiatry kind of gives me the heebie-jeebies, so, you know, whatever. Regardless of my belief or disbelief of this school of thought, it still doesn't make it okay to condone violence or treat it as entertainment, you know? Just because a kid is not going to go out in the street with an Uzi and shoot prostitutes doesn't mean the kid should even know what an Uzi is. Or a prostitute. A child should only learn about Uzis and prostitutes from their parents. In a purely educational and informative sense, of course. There's a lot of content in this game that I'm sure prompted many, Mommy, what does fill in the blank mean? Conversations. As they say, knowledge is power, but so is an Uzi. And why the H-E double hockey sticks to the NPCs? Oh, I learned that term in YouTube comments, and it means non-player character, and it's completely what it sounds like. Recite the words to the YMCA song? I didn't really notice it at first, but I was watching this YouTube video of a guy playing the game, which is super common now, by the way, but that's a story for another time. And Claude was running around, probably escaping the police, because what else would he be doing? And these people on the sidewalk kept yelling out, young man, which I thought was weird, but hey, maybe they were trying to get Claude's attention. And then the guys were like, there's no need to be down, which, okay, still a little weird, but I couldn't really see Claude's face, so maybe they thought he was upset? Or perhaps his muteness contributed to the need for cheering up? But then this construction worker guy was like, I'm in the YMCA, and that's when I knew for certain 
that these NPCs were reciting lyrics from YMCA. So there's that. I'm so torn about this game because I do love little touches and easter eggs. I learned about easter eggs on this video game blog, and apparently there are easter eggs for other media types as well, and it blew my mind and made me spit out some of my hot pocket, and I love the overall quality of the game. I mean, Grand Theft Auto 3 is the first 3D game in the series, so that's unreal. I can admit that the video quality is not to be scoffed at. I just wish the video wasn't riddled with holes from rocket launchers, you know? It's like a person with superpowers. You can choose to use them for good or for evil, and the folks over at DMA Designs decided to use their powers to promote sexual promiscuity and merciless violence. But the game also has great sound quality and a great soundtrack, and you know how that gets me jazzed. I've watched Sucker Punch 14 times because it has the kinchiest soundtrack, and that movie is horrendous. That's how I feel about quality soundtracks. And the plot is really well done, even though I hate everything about it. But clearly a lot of work was put into it, and the details are impeccable, and you know how that gets me jazzed. I mean, honestly, the game is basically a well-executed movie, so there's much to be said in praise of Grand Theft Auto 3, and I can admit that. I can also admit that everything about the game's actual content makes me want to vomit. Again, DMA Designs clearly used their powers for evil. Why couldn't they make a game with the same quality of design and story, but about something nice? Like collecting adorable little weirdly named pseudo-animals and maybe training them to do fun things. And they're so cute you just want to catch all of them. I would do more than read the Wikipedia page on that game. I might even play it. So, to make a long story shortish, Grand Theft Auto 3 is a video game. It is a well-created and designed video game. It has intricate details that impress me. It does not, however, have a redeeming storyline. It does not portray women, prostitutes, or construction workers in a positive or accurate light. You may not know it, but construction workers are often the victims of harassment, and having their likeness used to merely spout off no-nonsense song lyrics does not help them advance in the world. Also, killing women and prostitutes is not cool, either. You just shouldn't kill anyone, okay? And this game does not spread that message. It spreads blood, gore, and negativity, but not the importance of refraining from murder. That, my friends, cannot be ignored. Grand Theft Auto 3. Five stars for quality, negative seven for content. Also for the fact that it's not actually the third game in the series. That's dumb, okay? Moving on. I hope you all enjoyed that because I feel like I wasted several hours of my life preparing that review for you, honestly. What do you outsiders do with your lives that you feel the need to promote this vile, offensive, Neanderthal garbage? I digress. I have other fish to skin. Is that not the phrase? Raphael is giving me an odd look. Now he's passing me a note. Other fish to fry? Then what do you skin? I must have gotten that from somewhere. Thank you, Raphael. More than one way to skin a cat. That's preposterous. I was trying to get more comfortable with other places' idioms, but your phraseology is simply offensive. Why are you skinning cats? Anyway, as we say here in Delorenz, I have other badgers to socially assimilate. 
I've been postponing this particular badger for some time and I find myself no longer able to justify said postponement. Raphael, you may want to go and get some of that soy frozen yogurt you love so much. And get me some dinosaur crunch, would you? So, my pulchritudinous pets, without further ado, because apparently there's been too much ado already, I give you, and I apologize in advance, Valeria Lennox. Was that really necessary? I don't know what you're talking about. What do you have for us today, Valeria? Righto. Well, I've kept up with the music fads pretty well during the revolution, because if you know the right people, then you can- Valeria, perhaps we shouldn't discuss your questionable proclivities on live radio, considering what happened the last time your pastime came to light. Oh, you mean the time my sister joined the rebellion to get the cabaret off my back and then ended up getting murdered? Yes. Okay, well, let's just pop the clutch then, shall we? Sound fads. Profanity. That is radioactive right now. Who knew? Talking really fast and calling it music? That's really cool right now. I don't know where they got the term rapping from, but it makes no sense and I love it. I just love it. Using other people's songs and putting them in your song so that people only know the other song from your song, even though the other song is a classic? That's a thing. It shouldn't be. I'm looking at you, Kid Rock. Stop making people think that you invented Sweet Home Alabama. But it is a thing, and I don't love it. Pre-recording drum beats and electronic backup music and playing it from your portable computer and calling that your band? That's big right now, too. I went to this concert and other places, and this person was singing, and then they pressed a button, and all of a sudden, there was this entire band, but there was no band, and it was fascinating. I went up to this singer to ask them how they got that band into their computer, but then I got escorted out by a security guard for getting too close to the stage, and that was also really fascinating, and I can't wait to go back. Country music is really big. The verdict is still out on that one. I don't know how I feel about music that I could easily write in under 20 minutes. All I need is a repetitive, twangy chord progression in several verses about my significant other leaving me and then drinking myself into an oblivion, and if that's going to be the premise of the song, I'd rather there be a cooking downbeat. Oh, and maybe some synth beats. So yeah, I'll let you know how I feel about it once my country catalog has expanded a bit more. One last thing, and I kind of knew this was a thing before I- oh, wait, I'm not supposed to talk about that. Um. So, acapella. Acapella is a total kick. When I first- no, anyway, I did some research as to what started this fad, and it seems like a chicken or egg scenario. With this movie that came out a few years ago where these girls in college form an acapella group because they're sexually frustrated and also it's kind of a big deal. I'm not saying the movie started it, but I'm not not saying that, and honestly, I don't have enough data points to be able to prove causality, so. <laughs> data points? Play Dead Zelda. Oh, and one last thing. My favorite song of the moment is Starboy by The Weeknd. I think it's just The Weeknd. That's what I said. Right, of course. Thank you, Valeria. That was... Yes, thank you for that. Tell Katie you owe me $50. Why? No particular reason. Great seeing you. Close the door on your way out. Bye! Now, we have just enough time left in today's broadcast for me to update you all on the progress of my autobiography, and despite the negative comments of certain critics, I have indeed written more than several chapter titles. 
I've actually found myself newly inspired by the popular web series Stranger Things. And while my life resembles absolutely nothing represented in the show, apart from perhaps a love of Eggo waffles and poor hairstyle choices that one can only regret immediately if not at all, the absurdness of it all has gotten the creative juices flowing, so to speak. I should edit my previous statement about nothing in my life resembling Stranger Things, because I'm just now remembering that I have planned out a chapter focusing on the importance of holiday celebrations, and there will be many Christmas lights involved. Anyway, I've decided to start off with something gripping. How else do you get the reader's attention? Which naturally means I'll have to fabricate something. Because what's reality without a little fiction to spice things up? It still has to be believable, so I'm leaning towards baby Zelda left on the doorstep of her grandparents' house with a note saying, please take care of her. The future of the world as we know it depends on this precious slice of sunshine. Or something like that. For the love of Zordon, Raphael, did you not see the sign on the door? Live means right now, as we speak at this very... And you don't even have my dinosaur crunch. What happened? What do you mean? He's... he's... dead? How can someone die from food poisoning? Is... is that a thing? That's why I asked you, Raphael. Obviously, it wasn't food poisoning if someone died. Did anybody else? Okay. Well... I guess it was just some sort of freak of nature. Epidemic? <laughs> Who said that? Barlow? Barlow said what? Kate's sick? Okay, um, it seems we have some sort of thing going on, so, um, stay tuned for updates. Oh, and don't forget to dig your emergency trenches. You know, just in case. Zelda Roy signing off. The Zelda Roy Show is written and produced by Rosemary Booker and Claire Kidden, who were born to hand jive, baby, and don't you forget it, for future reference. The voice of Zelda is Claire Kidden, music by Rosemary Booker. Check us out at zeldaroy.tumblr.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>